0: Hello, and welcome to the Wealthy Woman Lawyer Podcast. We believe all women lawyers deserve to be wealthy women lawyers. Our mission is to provide thought-provoking, powerful, and practical information to help you in creating your own sustainable, wealth-generating law firm without overwork or overwhelm, so you can live your best life. I'm your host, Davina Frederick, and I'm so excited for you to be our guest today. So let's get started. Hi and welcome to the Wealthy Woman Lawyer Podcast. I'm Davina Frederick, and today I am super excited to have Steve Fretzen here with me. He is the founder of Fretzen Inc., which is a company that helps lawyers and law firms uh, become good business developers, rainmakers. How to uh, have sales free selling, which we're definitely going to pick his brain about that. That's the title of one of his five books, is it, Steve? Uh, four four, five, four, five, books. four, four don't, books. Hey, don't right? put
1: that kind of pressure on uh, four, me uh, I'll, I'll write another write book. The fifth,
0: you know, <laughs> by the end of the month. Um, And he's also the host of Be That Lawyer podcast. So if you guys haven't checked that out, be sure to check that out. It's great. So welcome, Steve. It's so good to see you here.
1: So good to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Uh, so why don't you uh, elaborate a little bit on kind of uh, what I... First of all, just tell us what and Ink does so that i yeah. you know, I've mentioned business development, rainmaking, but why don't you give me a more clear picture of that, and then we'll mm-hmm. we'll dig a little deeper into some other things. Yeah,
1: absolutely, and it's it's evolved over time as most businesses do, where you end up really spending your time with the right people and on the right um, programs. And so I only have two programs I offer. If somebody doesn't fit into these two buckets, then, you know, I've got lots and lots of people I can send them to, but it either comes down to a very robust coaching and training program. Uh, In fact, I had my class this morning. It's Tuesday mornings. I have about 15 attorneys from around the country uh, attending a class. And the end result is they're learning all the skills they never learned in law school. They didn't learn at the law firm level. And I'm basically like, I've got the recipes and they just need to understand the recipes and they need to execute on the recipes and good things happen. So it's planning, it's executing on everything to help someone internalize how to be a business developer, to make it a part of their life a part of their practice, a part of how they're going to conduct business moving forward. So it has nothing to do with winging it or just figure it out on your own. It's all here's what you do, here's what you say, let's customize it to your personality to you know you know where you are in the country, what practice area. but it's all for individual attorneys who are highly ambitious. The other piece of my of what I do in, in the business I run are I run a peer advisory roundtables. These are for lawyers who are already successful with business development marketing, Etc. But they feel like they're on an island, and they're not they're not really comfortable talking to you know internally with their firm about you know their challenges or the things they're looking to accomplish. And so here's an accountability group of high performing professionals that challenge each other, question each other, share best practices. And I'm currently running five of those groups also internationally. Wow. So those cool. are really the two things, and that's that's all I do all day is help those lawyers <laughs> well, to that uh, be that like lawyer. A
0: lot. It it
1: sounds like a lot, but again, the nice thing about groups is, you know, when you have a group, you know, you're, you're there, it's not individual. So you're spending time. Yes. So there's some one-on-one, but a lot of it is, is, you know, the groups. And so you can meet with 10 people or two people and it's the same amount of time. So I'd rather put people together in groups where uh, I can teach and coach and facilitate. And, and it actually takes less time than if I was to try to meet with them all individually every moment.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, also they have the benefit of each other. I know with our group program, that's a lot. That's that's a lot of the beauty of it is community and the the resource of other people, not just the expert. You know who's you know with the coaches are in there supporting and facilitating, but we also like to connect people because they can help each other even beyond that. Yeah. Um, So let's talk about how you came to your. You're not a lawyer, right? Not a lawyer. And I, so I want to talk about your journey, how, how you came to the dark side yeah. and you came over and started working with lawyers exclusively, because I know you have a, an extensive background. So why don't you kind of tell us that story?
1: Yeah. And so my father's a retired attorney and I sort of kind of grew up in the legal space, you know, watching my father and of course getting grilled as a teenager, put on the cross as a college student. And, uh, you know, the, the, um, you know, he, he came from, from, you know, poverty. He came from the, from the slums of Chicago and came up and paid his way through law, you know, undergrad and law school and, you know, just a self-made guy. And then was super successful as a solo practitioner his whole career. So that's what I, but I never wanted to be a lawyer. I, I'm more of a relationship guy. I love people. I love solving problems and engaging with people, but in a different way. And so I, I, and I never thought I'd work in legal. So I started my, I kind of came up in the sales, in a, in a sales world, where eventually I was selling franchises. And the difference between selling advertising or selling high tech or some of the things I did in my past was when you're selling a franchise, you're selling a business. It's not only a big ticket, but then I was involved and engaged in helping them on every side of the business from finding a location, putting them in business, helping them grow, getting them advertising, taking them out selling, like everything I had to do to help a business Develop and grow, and I was a part of that. I got paid based on their success, so it was really a a game changing experience for me to help put people in business and then help them to succeed in business. To the degree where I decided to start my own sales consultancy in 2004, mainly focused on helping entrepreneurs the local website guy, the local CPA, the local carpet cleaner didn't really matter. And I ended up uh, getting so much experience working with small businesses, large corporations like Canon and Mesero Financial here in Chicago, Chicago Tribune, and it was just great. And I never had an eye for attorneys. And then in 2008, the recession hit, and a lot of the attorneys in the local Chicagoland area uh, were looking for jobs. They their hours were down. There was all kinds of problems, as we know. And so I started getting referred lawyers, and I worked with one, I worked with two, and then a firm, then another, another. What they loved about working with me was not only you know just sort of my personality, but more it was this that I had systems, I had processes, and they worked really, really well for lawyers. So when you mentioned my first book, Sales Free Selling, well, that's in, that's interesting because I want to go out and pitch, I need to go out and sell, I need to go out and convince. And those are words that I talk against, that I say, don't do that. Let's actually go out and build relationships. Let's ask questions. Let's qualify. Let's let's be understanding and it show, demonstrate empathy as a way to get business and walk someone through a buying decision versus going on what lawyers call a pitch meeting, which I think is all you know sort of back-ass words. So they really appreciated all of the systems and processes I had for networking and for building business and doing it in less time with less energy and getting better results. So it took off and within 2 years about 85% of my business had become lawyers and law firms and so that continued to build and only in the last couple of years did i stop working with law firms and only focus on individual attorneys they can be at a law firm but i'm not working with actual law firms where i'm dealing with their you know business development folks their marketing people the managing partner all that I, i'm just committees. done like all the committees the, the committees and all the layers of kind of bs and minutia that people have to go through And I've never been happier just dealing with highly ambitious, motivated attorneys that seek me out and that we connect with to work together. And it's just been, it's been an absolute blessing.
0: Right, right, right. I think that's why I, why I chose to work with, I mean, my journey is kind of similar to yours in that um, I, when I started this business, I started out working with various professional service businesses because that's what my background is in. And uh, being a lawyer myself and having built a successful law firm, a lot of people sort of. Um, women lawyers in particular, but men and women started gravitating toward me. Um, And so eventually that just, I just niched down to that because there's so much to learn in just one area. There's so much that can be taught just to, uh, you know, a particular group. And, and, and attorneys are a little bit different in that uh, we have all these ethical sort of obligations and I do think we're taught in law school that law school is one of three learned professions and this elevates us to some other standard. But if you are out in business trying to make money, you still have the same business principles. You have to figure out a way to sell your services because if a sale is not made, business isn't happening. And you're you know, you're know not actually working, you've got a charity or a hobby going on, you're not actually running a business. Um, in your case, so it's interesting, you work with individual lawyers, because I used to work for a large law firm. And one of the things that the firm did was uh, part of my job actually was to help create individual business development plans for individual lawyers. And it was so um, interesting, because you do have different personalities. there, There were those who were just natural born rainmakers. That's what they seemed to be. And they were the ones who brought in the lion's share of the business to the firm and it kind of trickled down to other people. But the firm was trying to get every partner to bring in business. And I think they finally realized one day that, you know, there were some partners that just were the doers, the executors, and some were much better at rainmaking. Uh, I'm sure you've encountered that in working with your clients. You have a variety of personalities. You have those introverts who never want to market. They never want to rain make. They never want to, but they know they have to. Their law firms require it and they have to come up with a plan for doing that. So what kinds of, um, let's talk about some of the different kinds of personalities that maybe you've seen do they fall into categories? Do you, when you meet somebody, do you sort of identify them and go, this is an introverted person. This is an extroverted person. This is somebody who already has connections. This is somebody who doesn't want to leave their desk. Yeah. And how do you deal with those kinds of different differences?
1: Yeah. So the, so one of the first things that I engaged in when I started my own business in 2004 was uh, disc assessments and people know about personality assessments and some people know about behavioral assessments like the disc and what, I teach is how to read people's behaviors. And so understanding if someone's an introvert or extrovert, whether they're more task-oriented, people-oriented, and not only knowing yourself, but then also being able to read others because what it does is it changes how we communicate. And so if I'm dealing with an introvert, I know not only in the sales process, but also as when they engage me as their coach, that I, I have to you know, use systems and processes and language that's going to connect them to me and connect them to what the, uh, and I need to provide proof and evidence and things that are going to hit home. I can't say trust me, or this is how, just do what I say. Like that's not going to go over well. And I want to teach them the language of behavior as well, because as an introvert's out dealing with extroverts and seeming like they're doom and gloom or seeming like they're, they're not interested, when in fact they are, they just, they're not prepared to go above their introversion to meet meet at someone's level. So like, let's say that I'm an introvert and I'm dealing with a general counsel, that general counsel is very outgoing. I'm going to teach an introvert how to step up and ask questions and engage in a way that's going to make them feel like, the, you're, like you're an extrovert too, like we're the same person, even though we're not as a way to improve communication. So I think, you know, I'm engaging in that with how I work with my clients, but I'm also teaching my clients how to do that because they they can't treat people. So the saying used to be treat people the way you want to be treated, right? That was what we grew up with. And what I'm suggesting is the golden rule. And it's, it's a little broken. I'm teaching them to treat people the way they want to be treated. And so what that does is it improves communication, not by being fake, but by adapting and improving the level of communication because we've identified that someone's different than us. And that's a soft skill. You're never going to learn that in law school. You're never going to learn that at the law firm level these are the soft skills that are so critical of that in process, right? I mean, what what introvert doesn't appreciate and enjoy following a process? Like that's mm-hmm. you know, that's their breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They can eat that all day. So I, I'm giving them a process to follow that they can try, get results from, get the proof and evidence that it works, and then they're bought in. Until they get that evidence and proof and validation that this works. In fact, I also have them talk with my clients or visit my class and audit my class so that they can get more evidence that this works and hear from other clients that it's working, they're getting results. So that's what we need to do. And by the way, the extroverts, the ones that are the rainmakers with the big personalities, in some instances, I have to like calm them down and saying, look, you're too much of a wild person. That's what
0: I was about to ask you. I was about to ask you if, because I think a lot of times I, I remember when I first was you know, kind of task with business development, and I'm a relationship. I'm a strategic thinker and a relationship person. Yeah. And the relationship piece is comes from a place of I love everybody and I want everybody to love me. It's that sort of you know, I, I'm a middle child of three. You know, I yeah, so I'm the yeah. diplomat. I'm the one who wants everybody to get along and all of that. And but that in rainmaking in and at that. that that time was business development for an agency. I wasn't, I didn't have the skill, the polished skill to turn the friendship into business. Yeah. And so I would often, you know, I'd have great relationships with people, but they didn't want, you know, they didn't re- say, Hey, let's work together. I had people ask me out on dates, but I was like, no, 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 no. Yeah. I'm trying to get yeah. business here. Yeah. When I was a younger. I was 30, in my thirties then, but um that so I I see that as a skill. Just because you're extroverted and you love people and you love being out and being the life of the party doesn't mean that you're gonna automatically be a great business developer, rainmaker, because there's this whole skill set in how, like you said, to help people through the decision making process yeah. to hire your firm. And I so I imagine you spend a lot of time with extroverts as well doing that. So I think I think it's, a lot of introverts automatically assume if you're extroverted it must be so much easier for you.
1: And that's the thing is I'm putting I'm putting all of these extroverts and introverts in a class together and they're learning the same systems, the same structures, they're they're role playing and practicing together, they're giving each other feedback. Things that that lawyers didn't even know existed exists in, within my structure and the results are fantastic because the, the introverts are learning a process they can follow that takes them out of their shell. The introverts are learning a process that takes them from the lampshade on the head at the party, loving everybody to, wait a second, I actually need to get results with this love. I need to get results. Like, you know, if yeah. if, if, if I love everybody and everybody loves me and I am and I don't want to ever, you know, push a button in the wrong way, then I'm not going to push it. And so therefore I'm not asking for introductions. I'm not asking for referrals. I'm not asking for the sale. I'm just hoping that it happens. And in my world, hope is not a wonderful place to be because we're counting on business and we're hoping that it comes in. And when it doesn't, then, you know, our heart sinks into our stomach and we feel sick about it because that was going to make our year or that was going to make our quarter. And so what I'd rather say is instead of living in hope, let's actually know what's going on. Let's have a process that that gets things to a yes or moves things to a no where we mm-hmm. understand why and we understand why they're moving forward or why they're not and be okay with it because not everybody's a fit. But let's have every opportunity and chance to get the business, not through selling and pitching, but through understanding, listening and and having a more consultative approach to it. And that's really what we're working on.
0: So I want to talk about um, business development in a little bit different way because I know when you're dealing with law firm lawyers, lawyers who work for big law or medium-sized law firms, oftentimes what they're doing is they're pitching in-house lawyers for large companies. And that's where a lot of that sort of, you know, when you're talking about meeting people and getting them, you know, connecting, getting that buying decision. But when you're dealing with solo lawyers or small firm lawyers, oftentimes what they're doing is, um, you know, leads are coming because people are referring to us because somebody Out there likes us and they're referring us business or we've got ads running on google or we may be on linkedin a little bit posting stuff but we all hate it and you know we don't want to so nobody's really on it so we're in facebook groups chatting and that's where a lot of you know sort of things people connect with each other is in these in this way because we're talking about a new generation as well in addition to kind of this um Solo firms are different in that we're not pitching in-house lawyers. It's not a big thing where we're going with other people and pitching large corporations. We're working with consumers or small businesses like ours. So let's talk about networking in that light, where you are, you're wanting to create relationships with other, other professionals and I think that lawyers often focus only on other lawyers, which is a mistake, in my opinion. Um, and you're and you're wanting them to refer business to you in the future when an opportunity arises for them to refer business to you. So let's talk about that and how we do that, and then let's talk about also how to not rely on random referrals and like create our own lead generation process, you know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Yeah, And you mentioned earlier about, you know, uh, strategic planning, lawyers having written plans and most don't. And the ones that do, especially law firm lawyers, you know, it's a list of the groups they belong to. It's a list of their clients. It's a list of this, a list of that. That's not a plan. That's a part of a plan. That's a piece of a plan. So the first thing I try to do with any lawyer is try to identify who are the targets, who are the targets that are the buyers for your services and who are going to be the best connectors to those targets. So if you're a divorce attorney, for example, and the people that are going to, mo- that are most likely to refer you, I'll just make, make up some examples are therapists, estate planners, and financial planners. There's three groups right there. They're all being kind of, they're in the weeds with couples and families and opportunities where, where things might go South and they're going to need a re- mm. relationship to send their people to that they can trust. And lawyers are just out randomly meeting other lawyers and meeting other people without the structure of who are my targets? Who should I actually be spending most of my time with? Okay. And that doesn't mean you can't meet with a CPA or you can't meet with another divorce attorney or someone else. However, ultimately, when you understand who your targets are, you can spend your you can spend your invest your time much more wisely. So I think understanding the end user targets and of course, the the strategic partner targets is 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 a big part of the plan, and once we have that, we then say, all right. So now I'm out meeting people, and I'm having all these random coffees and dinners and drinks and things like that. How am I running those meetings? Well, we just let it ride. We hope we just we just wing it, and that's also a misstep because a lot of those mm. meetings end with, you know, it's really nice meeting you, Divina. Let's uh, you know, let's keep our eyes open for each other. Mm. Nice meeting you. Let's let's keep in touch. You know, I, I'd love to be in a position to refer you, and then they're gone. And nothing ever happens and nothing ever comes from it. Or if you're like me, what I used to do is I'd say, here are three connections that I want to make for you. You would say, that's so wonderful. Thank you, Steve. And then that's the end of it. I give you the three, you never give me. And now I'm feeling a little frustrated about it. And I do that over and over again. And I'm basically like a professional meter, a professional giver, hoping that karma is going to come somehow save me. And I, I do believe in giving. I'm not one of these people who, who says that's a bad thing, right? Nobody thinks it's right. a bad thing. But I think it's about giving intelligently. It's about qualifying. And an easy way to kind of um, of of lay this out that I think your audience will really appreciate is um, it's like I'm I'm a I'm a restaurant manager and I need to bring in the right staff to build the restaurant. I need a wait staff. I need uh, the right chefs in, in the kitchen. I need the front and the back end to work together in harmony. And if somebody isn't working out, I need to replace them, right? That's pretty simple. But I'm always recruiting. I'm always looking for talent. I'm, I'm at other restaurants. And yes, I'm dealing with a waiter, but maybe I'm also look, thinking, would this waiter be better at my restaurant than the restaurant she's at now or he's at now? So If we think about networking more like a recruiting effort for building a dream team for the restaurant, that's a great way to think about it so that you can bring in the three best waiters, the three best chefs, the three best whatever. And in this example for an attorney would be the three best financial planners, the three best therapists, and the three best estate planners, because those are the areas I know I can get the most possible referrals in a given year. Now I have to build them in and and I have to maintain them and I have to feed them back, right? It's a two-way street. If somebody's just feeding me business and I'm not feeding them back, again they may not want that or care about that. If they don't, great. I can build a social component additionally. But I think it's most people who are looking for reciprocation, and so the financial planner would love to throw people at me, and of course he or she is looking for that reciprocation back.
0: Right, right. And I, um, I wanted to I want to dive a little deeper into the reciprocation because I think that is. The big challenge I know I used to be a member of BNI business Network International sure for anybody who's not familiar with that and I and I love BNI and I met a lot of great people in BNI um I did that uh and I actually you know got quite a bit of business out of my BNI group I left it for a couple of reasons one is I no longer wanted to get up and be someplace at seven in the morning
1: <laughs> and <laughs> their mo- their models flood, in that way, early, way alone 7 a. Week, a. I had to dress <laughs> up
0: anymore and I was like yeah. no, I don't want to do this Um, And also I really wanted to expand my network throughout the country and not, and so I wanted to focus my time doing that, not just not local uh, business, but so the philosophy of BNI for anybody who's ever been in it. And I'm sure a lot of people, if you're listening to this, you probably are familiar with it is giver's gain. And that's this idea that if I give you referrals, then, then other people in the group will be kind enough to give me referrals. And what I found in the group is that a lot of people would find identify the easiest people to give referrals to in the group. And so you might give different people referrals, but everybody else would be giving them to, you know, the the lady who worked at the hair salon. It's easy enough to send people there to have their hair cut or the, the guy who washed windows. I mean, it's easy to give him a referral. Because if all else failed, you know, you could just say, come to my house and clean my windows. and everybody's got everybody's versions. got windows. we got oblig- clean windows, right? Yeah. And so it was a way to meet your obligation, but the more complicated referrals, um, it, it's harder for people to do that. And so those people would be sort of left out in the cold. And the so there was a structure to sort of do this giver's gain and, and this mm-hmm. idea that if you are a big-hearted and generous person, then you're naturally going to be the recipient of other people's generosity. And while that is a lovely thought and I think univer- I think energetically and universally, yes, if you show up as a good person in the world, you know, there will be a-, a lot of people who that resonates with and that will come back to you. But when it comes to business referrals, I think we need to be a little bit more dialed in on a strategy. That's not a strategy. Uh, and how do you develop those? How do you express um, that you're wanting it to be a reciprocal relationship? And how, more importantly, how do you teach that other person how to, um, you know, be somebody who can be in a reciprocal relationship? Because it is what you may want out of the relationship, maybe you know they don't know your business and so they don't know who to send you. Yeah. I often find, for example, and I'll just give a quick example, is that I will have a lot of people who will who want to send me, you know, they they can't send me a client and say, I have this friend, she really needs coaching bad. You really, you know, you you really need coaching bad. It's like sending somebody to a personal trainer, you yeah. know, like you really need to lose some weight, man. Go see my personal trainer. Yeah. And yeah. so that's an awkward kind of thing. But I often find people who want to send me people who do what I do. They, uh, you know, meet this person who does exactly or very close to what you do. Yeah, I, isn't because that they're odd? Thinking we have a shared audience, right? And that's right, going right, to be the thing. So, and I'm like, you know, it'll be great to know them. It'd be great to, you know, network with them and share insider secrets or something. But, you know, they're probably not going to refer me to business. I'm probably not going to refer them business. So how, how do we take those next steps to teach other people how to be in that mutually beneficial relationship with us?
1: Yeah, so I it's funny. So we, we actually covered this. I had my class this morning. Tuesday mornings is kind of my thing. And we covered this. And I actually had the lawyers in my group role play this exact setup. And the two things I'd say, one is, again, you have to understand who your targets are and that you can meet with everybody if you've got unlimited time. But if you really have have you know billable hours to get to and things that are priority in your world and families and all that i mean you've got to protect your time so you want to introduce me to the guy who produces you know chotchkis these little usb drives and pens and that's not really someone that i feel strongly would be a, a great person for me to sit down and meet with i would say you know i appreciate that uh however if i'm being honest you know the real the real people i want to meet are and then like for example for me i'm looking to meet other people with legal audiences. So you you would be an example. It would be someone from a practice management company, like one of my sponsors for my podcast is Practice Panther. Love meeting with Practice Panther. We can network all day because they have lawyers who are ambitious. I have lawyers who are ambitious. We can definitely network. And so I'm I'm you know that's where where my jam is. So I would agree and appreciate someone's intro, but I would say I would redirect them to say, but really who I who would be better for me would be and try to take. Not totally discount their idea, but let them know this is really better for me. If that's okay, all right. Now, the second piece of this is: let's say that you and I decide to meet, and we're going to have a coffee together. I teach uh, agenda setting for networking meetings, a coffee, for example, that is ironclad to get better results than winging it. So, if you're okay with it, can I share it with you? Can, Hi, we, can yeah. we? Can we? Can we? Can we roll play through it together?
0: We could try. Yeah. <laughs> let's try. So, so,
1: all right. You are in the legal space. I am in the legal space. We've been talking for 10 minutes about, let's say, phys- fitness, physical fitness. And we both, you know, like that. And we like to talk about it. And we know that about each other. We did our homework or whatever. Okay. So th- we talk 10 minutes. And then I would say the following, and you'll, you'll role play with me. Okay. This will be our little, our okay. little fun scene. Okay. So Davina, I, I think we could probably talk about fitness and exercise and nutrition all day, but but listen, I know how valuable your time is and, and quite frankly, mine as well. And I thought just to make the best use of our remaining time, would it be okay just to set a quick game plan for us?
0: Oh, sure. Yeah, I'd love that. Okay.
1: Great. So I know we had agreed on speaking for about an hour. We've got about 50 minutes left. And from my perspective, the purpose of us meeting was really just to get to know each other better and also just see if there's a fit. We may be in a position to sort of help each other moving forward. Um, is that kind of how you saw it as well?
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: Okay. So what might make sense is if, if we could just sort of split up the talk time, if you could take about 15 minutes and share not only, you know, what you do and how you help people, but most importantly, who are you looking to meet? Because I'd love to be in a position to try to figure out, you know, some some good connections for you. And then if it's okay, I could take 15 minutes and do the same thing. And clearly we could pepper each other with questions and the end result might be, that, it, that near the end of the meeting, we might come up with some small baby step or some connection for each other that might be valuable, not giving away the farm and not giving away nothing, but something to sort of test the waters a bit just to see how we play in the sandbox together. Is that something you'd be open to? Oh,
0: I love that idea. Okay. I think that's
1: a great idea, Steve. <laughs> great, great. So if you wouldn't mind, let me let me hear more about what you do and scene. Okay. Yeah. So we just went through a role play that took 90 seconds And in that 90 seconds, not only did I lay out a structure where we can both win, we can both have a good experience, limited the time, agreed on the fit, decided to split up the talk time and give each other something small at the end. And there's two benefits to that. Number one is why are you meeting with me and why am I meeting with you?
0: Right, right, Ultimately,
1: we're looking for some next step or some value takeaway. And instead of it just be me giving you and you blowing me off or not doing anything, I'm we're actually exchanging one good connection, not our my top client and not a nothing burger, you know, thing like that. Something of value. But here's the best part. Remember earlier I mentioned about the restaurant and I'm looking for chefs, I'm looking for waiters, I'm looking for, you know, the the Mm. the, the, the front staff. Okay. I'm actually testing you out because if you say you've got something for me and then you don't follow through, and I email you and you don't follow through, and I call you and you don't follow through. Do I want? Do I really want you working at my restaurant? Are you going to oh, show up on time? Not. Are you going to yeah. make the souffle the way we discussed? You know, whatever you know. So this is not only an opportunity to walk away with something of value, but also to qualify that someone has the capacity, the intellect, the ability to follow through on a commitment, which is at the heart of networking. People don't realize it, but it's all about how they follow through and how you follow through that makes networking work.
0: Otherwise, what I love about the yeah kind of script that you just went through, is that it is, um we know when we're meeting somebody for networking purposes, perhaps somebody's introduces, oh, this would be great. You need to get to know Steve, you know, and you need to get to know Davina, right? And we know that that's so meeting with somebody, it's, it's an unspoken undercurrent that's going on there. This is supposed to be a networking meeting. It's supposed to be a business development meeting. And I like What you did pulls it right out and just puts it out like, let's just talk turkey here. This is about, this goes beyond us talking about our shared interests. This goes beyond this looking for ways that we can work together, maybe refer each other business and how can we do that? And it also creates a framework for educating the other person about who you're looking for. So you really have an opportunity and they have an opportunity to educate you. Because yeah. I think that is what is the people go to networking events or they, and then they follow up with a virtual coffee or an in-person coffee or whatever. And it's like this prolonged sort of dating thing where we need to have how many of them now we leave coffee and go, okay, well, let's get together for lunch soon. Or let me invite you to, and that's, that is wonderful to have connections or relationships. And there may be some people that's better, but then you may have other people that like, I don't really want to socialize with them. But I think that we can refer each other business. What do you say to people, though, who say, I never leave my office. I don't know who I'm going to refer to this person, right? Right,
1: right. So there's a list of things that I share with my clients of how you can add value for somebody without giving them like direct business. So I'm meeting you for the first time. Do I really want to send one of my clients to you to help with their money? Maybe, maybe not. But ultimately... I need to make sure you and I are friends that you and I have the the the, uh, the connection and the rapport and the interest to to do that. But um, most people would say, look, I, I you want a litigation matter, I don't have a litigation matter for you. You want to meet a GC, I don't have a GC to meet for you to meet with on the first date. So mm-hmm. when I say let's take a baby step, I mean that. So again, if you're a divorce attorney and I know that estate planners, financial planners, and therapists, and there's probably more, there's a list of 10 others that you might want mm-hmm. to meet. that, And I'm hearing who you want to meet because remember, you're going to tell me that in your 15 minutes of fame, I'm making notes and I'm writing down, here's a good connection. Here's a good connection. Or I could invite you to come to a networking group that I belong to and introduce you to my friends. That's a connection. I mm-hmm. could help teach you something about business development, LinkedIn, networking that adds value. That could act as a connection or as a next step. Um, I could send you an article. Um, But I could introduce you to someone else at my firm that I think also might be good for you to meet. So there's more than one ways to skin that cat. But ultimately, people need to build networks where they have a team around them, a, a group around them. It's like playing chess with no pieces on the board. You can't do it. You have to go out and meet people and build relationships and have pieces on the board. And that opens up the ability to know a financial planner, to know a therapist, to know and stay well, of term, one of the one refer- of the things
0: to. that is that is really um, LinkedIn. You, I mean, just introducing to somebody, introducing somebody to somebody in your LinkedIn network that you know or you're familiar with, and you think, oh, you know, this is probably a good person for you to meet. I'd be happy. Or pick five people on my list. i will be happy to introduce. I mean, there's all kinds of yeah, sort of ways really- that you can do that. You and I started this relationship with a podcast you know, exchange. You're going to come on my podcast. I'll get to know you a little better. I'll come on yours. That uh, is a baby step because we both have podcasts and the ability to do that. So there are all kinds of ways that you can sort of take that next step. But I think the end goal is still not to, it's not something, I mean, you want a relationship with people, but also establishing it's a professional relationship. I know, you know, I think you and I were talking about before I I was working for a, a PR firm and I was, new to business development and that it was a it was actually an ad agency. And um that uh, I was I didn't have any of that skill and ability to transfer relationships into business. And instead that I'd often get asked out on dates, which was not what I wanted. Right. You know, because yeah. they're oh why are we spending all this time together? Well I'm trying to spend this time together to get you to do business with us, but I never came out. And ask for specifically what I was looking for, or what I wanted. And so then there's, you know, figuring those things out. I don't know that this happens as much. This was in the 90s. Um, hopefully people are a little more savvy now about doing that. But um, I do want to, uh, uh, you know, we've used a lot of time already, but I do want to get into the so many questions, Steve, so many questions for my audience. Um, get into the uh, sales free selling. I know it's your first book, but we're going to go back there because I do think that one of the biggest challenges for solo lawyers or small firm lawyers, where the attorneys are still handling the majority of the consultations, although we try to get them to scale sort of beyond that, but the firm owner is handling a lot of the consultations. And they, the minute the client gives any sort of objection or pushback, It is a, okay, well, thanks for your consideration. Think about it. You think about it and call me when you're ready. That happens. Instead of um, the ability to sort of take objections, like the the common one is money, but also let me talk to somebody else about it. Let me talk to hubby or spouse, wife, uh, business partner, whatever it is, right, about it before I hire you. Um, Well, I don't know if I'm going to have, you know, time, attorneys don't get that as much because usually you have people with pressing problems, but maybe I'm not ready yet. I need to think about it. Those kinds of things. Yeah. What, when you talk about no, so I think, I think a lot of attorneys are turned off by sort of what they believe is sales techniques that people use on them. So they don't want to be like that. Right. And also they don't want to be, uh, they don't want to show you that they want your money. They don't need your money, even though they may need the money right? All the kind of ego things that come into play. Can you give us just a quick sort of tip or framework or something around that or, or something about how to handle objections? You don't need to go through the whole thing. They can get your book, but give me something you think would be a really good gold nugget.
1: Well, let's let's talk about why objections happen. Generally, it's because of something that was said. So if I tell you that I'm charging uh, $100,000 for a service, You might have an objection like, that's a lot of money, but you don't know what the service includes. You don't know the value of the service. You don't know that it could make you a million dollars. Okay. So what the problem is, is that buyers want information and price and solutions and free consulting. That's what buyers want. The seller of legal services, the lawyers love to solve. They love to talk and they love to, to share. So what's happening is the buyers are getting everything they want and they're not really understanding or being walked through a buying decision. They're just being given prescriptions. Legal advice. Not, yeah. They're getting advice. They're getting pricing. They're getting everything they want, but it's really backwards as it relates to my world because I'm, this is the mantra that I'll share, and it's prescription before diagnosis is malpractice. If I walk into a doctor's office and I say my arm is hurting, and the doctor takes one look at it and says, let's cut off the arm, I have a big problem with that. I need this arm, right? It helps when I drive and it helps when I say hi and I wave to people. Yeah. Okay. What would we want the doctor to really do? Goof, goofs aside, right? We want how did it happen? Tell me about it. Let's see your range of motion. Let's take an x-ray. Let's look at this and figure out what it is and what to do. And lawyers are skipping that entire process and going right to let's cut off the arm because that's mm. what the buyers are asking for. The buyers, the, we're all trained that way right? That's what buyers are trained to do. And lawyers are buyers too. And guess what? When you go to buy a car, you know, you're know you looking for pricing information. You're not looking to be asked questions, but it's, it's wrong. So what my yeah. program and my process in sales-free selling is all about is we're not prescribing first. We're prescribing at the end. And that's why objections aren't happening. They're not happening throughout the meeting because we're building relationship. We're establishing that agenda or game plan to make the meeting about them, their problems, their issues, their needs, not about me, the lawyer. Okay. They're not going to know how many years I've been practicing. They're not going to know how great my firm is. They're not going to know about how I'm going to solve the solve the case. It ain't happening because I don't know anything yet. So if I make the entire engagement about in the meeting about them and their problems, not only do they feel listened to, they feel understood. I actually know what to then eventually talk to them about it at the back end, because I did my job of consulting and questioning and listening and empathy along the way. And this is all a learned skill. And guess what lawyers don't learn? This skill. They go through law school and law firm, and they're not being taught a proper way to walk a buyer through a buying decision. So yes, of course, they're going to run into how do I handle objections and how do I do... De- That's all 80s, 90s, and early 2000s sales techniques. Well,
0: and and and... You know, uh, I read some stat. it's like something like 74%, like we have over 100,000 lawyers here in Florida and 74% are small, small business owners, you know, solos and small firm owners. They're not the big, but law school prepares you for sort of going to work in a firm and thinking you're going to do the work of a lawyer. But even lawyers who go work in a firm, if you're on a partnership track, you're eventually going to get to the point where you've got to learn how to have those conversations. I always tell my clients, your agenda and your clients' agenda are we? We believe we have the same agenda coming into meeting, but we have two different agendas. And I said their agenda is to get as much free legal advice as they can get, or low cost legal advice if they've paid a consult fee, but free if they can get it. Your which hey, this is this is how people are. It's how consumers are. No, don't you can't hold that against them. That's how you would be. That's how you yeah. are. That's how lawyers are. If you, if you, if you needed a lawyer, you would be doing that conversations. Too. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So, but lawyers. Uh, the, the, they think the agenda is to lawyer in that conversation, in that initial conversation, the agenda is to lawyer because we've waited, we've learned all this stuff from law school. We've waited for this opportunity to pontificate about all we know, but the agenda is really assessing whether or not you're a good fit with this client, assessing, is this client a good fit? Are they, are they good for my firm? Am I a good fit for them? Do they have a problem that falls in my practice area? Are they somebody I want to work with? Do they have the ability to pay? All of those things. And then to walk them through, as you said, I love that piece about walking them through the buying decision because they don't know. And if they're looking for you, you're the expert, just like your doctor is the expert, right? You're looking for them to guide you through what's the next step. What do we do next? Right. And that next step is not, here's what we're going to do solve your problem. The next step is hire us and we can help you solve your problem. You know, like, but,
1: but but think about it. Like people, people are busy. They've got families to take care of. They've got billable hours to manage. Some of them are running the actual business of the law firm and you're out there meeting with people and winging it and and and, and dragging things out with multiple follow-ups and checking in and have you made a decision and they're not responding and you're going through this dance. It's not fun. And living in hope might have worked out for you know, uh, uh, Andy Dufresne and Shawshank, right? Everybody loves that movie. I love that movie too. You know, the hope and the work worked out for him, but it took a long time. We don't have that kind of time, right? We're, we need to get business and we need to get business fast. And if you follow a process, a proven process of how to do networking more effectively, social media more effectively, um, walking buyers through buying decision, client loyalty, these are all learn processes and lawyers are just totally unequipped out of law school and even at the law firm level to do it. So what do you say?
0: Yeah. I'm sorry. Sorry to interrupt, but I want to make sure I get this question in before we're sure. about out of time. And the yeah. question is about time. You talk about time management a lot. What do you say to, uh, in our particular case, we're talking to women law firm owners and women law firm owners often are have young children that they're caring for in addition to running and growing this business, trying to hire people, dealing with employees who are like children. Um, they have spouses, they have all these sort of things going on that they are doing the mental work for in addition to taking care of their clients and so many are still working in their business a lot. What do you say to them when they say, I don't have time for all of this, all this business yeah. development stuff, all this networking stuff I, I in theory, I'd love to do it, but I don't have time. I'd rather spend the time with my kids in the evening. I get two hours with them before they have to go to bed. like what kinds of things? do you say to them with regard to time management
1: i don't know that i've worked with an attorney where we haven't had to figure out and work on time management together i don't think i don't think it exists because we have to just like i mentioned business development networking these are learned skills these are these are things that you can that you can work on and improve time management is no different there's books there's videos there's coaching there's all different ways to 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 learn the skills to improve your time management and it's not easy It's, I'm the, I am, I will just admit, I am a feather on the wind. I'm a serial entrepreneur. I'm everywhere. And without reading, getting things done by David Allen, without working with coaches myself, without getting organized. I mean, I don't have a piece of paper around me right now. I don't. Everything is on, uh, here's a free promotion. Remarkable too. This is a pad I use for everything. I have no paper, okay? Okay. So I'm an expert at time management because I have to be to be able to teach lawyers how to do it. It's a learned skill. How we delegate, how we how we take in information and decide what to do with it is something that without it, you're just winging it all day. And I can tell you, you're going to be run by your email. You're going to be run by things that aren't a priority. You know, it's there's a there's a story of. Uh, if you don't do, I have, to have 30 seconds for this.
0: Yeah. 30 seconds for a
1: story. All right. I got 30 (laughs) seconds for a story. And this is something that I've heard multiple different ways. If you take a container, like a, like a, 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 like, let's say a pitcher and you put rocks in it and you say, is that full? And people say, yeah, that's full of rocks. Say, well, no. And then you put pebbles in, it it goes between the rocks and then say, is that full? Yes, it's not. Then you put sand in Now, is it full? Yes, no, it's not. Then we put water in. So. What we're doing is we're focusing on all the water, sand, and pebbles. We're not focusing on the rocks. The rocks are the big things that move our lives forward, that get business, that get things done, that make the right hire. And time management and understanding priorities and and what the big picture things are in our lives um, allows us to spend more time with our family, allows us to have the balance that we're all longing for and we don't have. So it really does come down to, um. How are we planning, executing, performing and improving and following structure versus just winging it day after day, after day, after day? It's not a great, that's not a great recipe for success.
0: Right, right. If anybody wants that uh, rock analogy, that is put the big rocks in first. And that's Stephen Covey, Seven Habits, of Highly Effective People, grab that book. That yeah. is That has stayed with me for decades. So uh, I love that. Love that. I'm always telling people, put the big rocks in first. Um, speaking of books, where can we find yours? Your newest one, Legal Business Development is at Rocket Science. Everybody's going to want to get a copy of that. Where can we find your books?
1: Yeah. So they're all up on Amazon. Uh, just if you type in Steve Fretzen or the name of the book into Amazon, you'll find the multiple books and they're all available on Kindle as well. Uh, you can also go to my website, fretson.com, and there's a books tab if you want to check out the books and read a little summary on each. But uh, certainly Amazon's an easy way to go.
0: Good, good, good. Tell us how else we can connect with you if we want to reach out.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, I've been teaching LinkedIn for 20 years. And so before people were even on it, and I I'm a big LinkedIn guy. So you can find me, just type my name into LinkedIn, and you'll connect with me and find me there. Um, constantly posting, you know, my podcast articles content, my books, chapter by chapter, I've been giving away. Uh, So that's one way. And then of course, just going back to my website, fretson.com, and you can email me at steve at fretson.com if you want to talk directly about your law practice.
0: Good, good. Well, Steve, we're going to have to have you back just to talk about LinkedIn because I think it needs its own episode. I know a lot of people now, a lot of women attorneys I talk to don't like LinkedIn, but they feel like they need to be on it. And I do think there's a lot of dissatisfaction sort of happening in the Facebook world and Twitter world and all that. And so people are sort of looking for another uh, spot and it might be worth having a conversation just about that. But in yeah. the meantime, thanks so much for being here. I've really enjoyed yeah. it. I know I've been throwing all kinds of questions at you, picking your brain today, but I really appreciate it because I think this is going to be a super helpful episode to our audience, Women Law Firm Owners. So thank you.
1: Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you having me and I, I hope this was helpful and uh, you know, let's let's keep connecting.
0: Absolutely. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of the Wealthy Woman Lawyer Podcast. If you have, we invite you to leave us a review on your preferred podcast platform. The more five-star reviews we have, the more women law firm owners will be able to positively impact. Your thoughts and opinions are so important to us. If you are a woman law firm owner who wants to scale your law firm to a million dollars or more in gross annual revenue and do it in a way that's sustainable and feels good to you, then we invite you to join us in the Wealthy Woman Lawyer League. The League is a community of highly intelligent, goal-oriented and driven women law firm owners who are excited to support one another on their journeys to becoming wealthy women lawyers. We'll be sharing so much in the League in the coming year, including the exclusive million dollar law firm framework that until now, I've only shared with my private one-to-one client. For more information and to join us, go now to www.wealthywomanlawyer.com slash lead. That's www.wealthywomanlawyer.com slash lead. Lead is spelled L-E-A-G-U-E. We look forward to seeing you soon in the league.